right, so episode eleven live now. Nets getting upset round two. Celtics done. The Suns pulling away from the Lakers. It looks like Blazers Nuggets coming down to the wire. Jazz up three one. So uh, Celtics most recent fatality. You want to talk about it all, Yeston? I mean, I knew that when I signed up for a pod after game five in which we were missing our best center and Kemba Walker was out, that he really provided much of much support in this series regardless. I had a feeling that this was not going to be a fun podcast for me. Um, but I must admit, um, I'm kind of proud of my guys. You know, I mean, Tatum played his play out of his mind the entire series. He was, um, you know, there were, he was boxed up the entire game, every game, and he came out and put on some some of the most memorable playoff basketball of his career, which is really saying something because postseason Tatum has been incredible to watch the past three years. Um, I'm kind of disappointed in the way things ended. Really, I mean, I always found that the net the net, the Nets are probably the least entertaining super team I've ever seen. Um, and you can count you can count me being a little bit bitter for that, but uh, you know no one wants to watch Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden shoot fifty three throws a game. It's it's not it's not the best basketball I've ever seen. Um, but hey, they win, and um, you can't count out the fact that these guys are all capable scorers, incredible athletes, and I mean there's there's no one there's no one who quite does what they do better than them and all three of them on the same lineup is just too much for most teams to handle i feel like a different a different celtics team would have caused them a little more trouble but not this year uh i will say however that uh, i'm particularly proud of my guy marcus smart you know he's my favorite and uh he put through a hell of a series uh you know really stepped up to take on that number two role which he should really never have had to be in in the first place so uh yeah, you know what? I'm allowed to be a little bit bitter now that this is over, so go Bucks. Anyone who beats the Nets is good in my book, unless maybe maybe not the 76ers, though. Maybe not them. It's okay. Well, we will watch this Wizards come back, and then maybe they can do it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I keep seeing comments on the internet, and I think it's just people trolling, but they're like, Wizards in seven, it's like, no. One of the best players in the league didn't play for a majority of that game. And they only, it was seven, but like I mentioned beforehand, it was a bunch of ticky tack fouls at the end and, you know, free throws to extend it. So it's probably like four was when it was really out of the picture. And they're winning probably in five. Yeah, it doesn't seem like Washington even wanted to win. They just like happened to just keep playing and then like the buzzer sounded and they were like, oh, we got to do this again. We got to, like, cancel our plans for, like, the weekend because we still got to work. But circling back to the Nets real quick, the blueprint is 100% there. Any team that's at full strength can, I think, beat them. They are just, like, a disaster waiting to happen, it seems. Once this team really gets into, like, trouble and, like, give Boston a ton of credit, they gave them as much as they could handle with the, like – depletion that they were dealing with Milwaukee is as in sync as they've ever been and at full strength so for them I like them to come out around two over Brooklyn yeah the interior defense in Milwaukee is 
going to, if they can stay out of foul trouble, it's going to dominate the Nets. And the Nets have to rely more or less entirely on their three-point shooting if they're going to take them down. Which, fortunately for them, the Bucks weren't phenomenal against throughout the course of the season. But uh, if you live and die by the three, occasionally you will die by the three. Um, if, if, you, uh, if you allow yourself to get frustrated against a team with dominant interior defense the way the Bucks have, then you will cause yourself a lot of trouble early in games. And if a team like the Nets gets in foul trouble early, you can see them start to drop like flies. Because one, if one of their big three is out for any period of time, even if it is just he has to sit for a while so he doesn't foul out, that's an opportunity for Milwaukee. And Milwaukee has been known to capitalize on them in the past couple of years. For me, I think Milwaukee does have a slight edge, especially when you put all your eggs in one basket in terms of, you know, going full offense and no defense. Because, I mean, while there are very few guys in the league who can at least contain Giannis, Brooklyn is far from having at least one. I mean, Bruce Brown, Mm. like, what's that really going to do, if if anything? So, and if you can't start with the best player, I don't think you can really start anywhere because – you know, it'll just, you know, you double team and someone's wide open, triple team, two people are wide open. And that might be what it takes if they want any sort of chance. But I do think it goes to seven because, you know, as mentioned beforehand, when you put all your eggs in one basket, you're you're going to dominate some games in terms of offense. So I think they'll a couple of games, they'll just simply outscore Milwaukee. But I have to go with Milwaukee in seven. And maybe that's just me kind of preferencing who I'd f- want to face in the conference finals, assuming we make it out the first round and be what will likely be the Hawks. So, yeah, that's my prediction. I what think I- that we'll see a little more. Sorry, no, you're uh, good. I, I just want to say I think I think we'll see a little more of uh, Claxton this series. Um, tangibly, he is easily the best player to go up against Giannis, um, but I think what will keep him out um, in in crunch time specifically. His free throw shooting um, and also his rebounding numbers for his size and athleticism and his God-given gifts, they're kind of uninspiring. Um, he, he's also still learning uh, rim protection in the NBA. Um, but, you know, in the terms of just who they can put on Giannis, Claxton is e- easily the, the best player to do it. Um, I think overall his youth is going to keep him back. I don't know how much we'll see of him, but we will certainly see him somewhat a little bit on Giannis this series this coming series kind of to Ethan's point what's so interesting for Milwaukee Giannis is a better defender than KD Drew Holiday is a better defender than Kyrie and anybody on Milwaukee's bench is a better defender than James Harden so yes Brooklyn can beat them on the offensive end but Brooklyn can't beat them on defense so if two of the three can hit a shot that's why I think Milwaukee should and does have the advantage because for as talented as Brooklyn is on defense, like you guys said, they go all in for offense and hope that they like 140 points is enough. And as long as they don't give up 141, they're fine with that. So for them and Milwaukee, like seems to me that they're one of those sneaky, good defensive teams because you never look at it, but then it's like, Oh, we have Giannis who, you know, seven feet tall and can get anything like a Rudy Gobert Jr. Almost if you want to put it like that as weird enough as it is to say. So I think that Brooklyn really needs a better defensive game plan than they've had the entire season because Milwaukee 
can really give them as good a fight as anybody in the league. And uh, if you guys all remember the uh, the playoffs last year, where um, you know uh, Giannis was the reigning defensive player of the year, and uh, it was uh, he he was massively massively criticized for not taking you know taking the heat down on the final shots of the game. You know where he was he was never anywhere near the ball on defense. He was consistently you know guarding the off men, never 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 right under the basket, never with whoever had the ball and. Um, reporter asked him after the game hey do you know did you want to be guarding those guys late in those late game situations when you lost that series and he said why would i and um i mean he was crucified for that i mean he's their defensive player yeah he should want the smoke he should want these guys to come at him because who better than the best defensive player in the in the nba should be covering them in that scenario um i think you might have learned from that in this case and um we're gonna see him he'll probably get into foul trouble once or twice especially considering this the the uh, competition he's going up against, he's going up against three of the best guys in the league in drawing fouls. I mean, James Harden led the led the league for the past six seasons straight in free throw attempts. Um, Giannis is going to have learned from that series. He's been knocked out of the playoffs rather unceremoniously twice now when he was expected to win, and um, third time's the charm. Frankly, he's he's going to have learned from his mistakes. He's going to be back to compete in this series. Yeah, and I. I think Drew Holiday also really brings a huge presence. And while it's not really shown on paper as much, I mean, he he might be a second team all defender, maybe first team, you know, give or take. He each deservingly so should be on one of those teams. And he'll have a huge task in guarding who will likely be Kyrie Irving and maybe a little bit of James Harden as well. But I think his what he can produce defensively will be huge in this series, just as much as Giannis. And kind of an unknown factor off the court milwaukee in the five form they have an actual fan presence brooklyn you're only getting tickets if like it's you have nothing else to do the like you can watch a nets game and not know that it's a home playoff game milwaukee you'll know it'll be loud you, you know it's three players that have made extensive playoff runs for the better part of a decade so they'll be used to it but i think for milwaukee defending home court especially is going to be a huge reason if they're able to beat Brooklyn, why they'll wind up beating them. And then in a series that nobody wants to defend home court, which I was talking to with Deontay the other day, the Mavs and the Clippers game five tomorrow night back in Los Angeles. It, it's, it's been a couple of days since I talked about this series and it's still so weird and so unpredictable. People seem to think now that the Clippers have the advantage again because they tied it up, but they also went down 2-0, and it's the Clippers and Paul George and Kawhi. And is, is there any advantage in this, or is this just going to be whoever wins wins? Luca and Porzingis have been like Shaq and Kobe, and but Luca's been Shaq and Kobe at the same time. Um, he, I think he's really had a phenomenal – playoffs given the fact that they have lots of people to throw at him um but this Clippers team just seems uninspiring I feel like there's still a stigma of what what happened last year in the bubble um it's giving me that that team is kind of giving me 2020 Rockets vibes with Harden and Westbrook where if I feel like they can win it all if they really wanted to but I don't trust the team um 
the role players stepping up. Rondo's been a great addition. There's certain trades teams make for playoff time. Rondo was one of them. Um, I think the Clippers certainly have a chance to beat the Jazz if that's how it plays out. Um, the Jazz don't match up well against um, athletic forwards, and they have two of the better ones in the league. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, the, I feel like Clippers should be a little more inspired because if, if things play out well, I think they'll have a very good matchup against the Jazz, have the chance to go to the finals, and especially the Western Conference finals. Well, I'll say the opposite, and I think that it really comes down to the best player on the court and how much that best player can produce, especially towards the end of the game, since these games will likely be close, and I think that's Luka Dantich, no matter how much he carries. And they Clippers have practically thrown everything at him. They've thrown Rondo. They've even thrown Kawhi at him, and he still gets it done. And even with Porzingis becoming more and more passive like by the second I mean, the, the guy barely rebounds and all he does is just quick trigger threes that, you know, go in at a below average clip. But I'm taking the Mavericks on this one. Luca's just going to close it. Yeah, I'm going to have to say Mavs here. I mean, the Clippers are just missing that vital piece. And, uh, I mean, you know, it does seem like if they took this series home, the Clippers, uh, then, you know, the stars could align and they could just be more or less they could waltz directly into the NBA finals, but in order to do so, they've got to get past this hurdle. And if the Mavericks are that big of a hurdle for them, I don't think they deserve to be there. Luca, when he wants to be like Ethan said, is the best player on the floor. And as long as like he stays in one piece, but his neck, whatever injury, which is so weird. Cause I feel like Luca gets the most weird injuries and it always happens at like the worst possible time for the Mavs, which can be said about any injury to any team. But with him especially, I don't think there's a team that is as reliant on a guy as the Mavericks. I get you could obviously say, you know, Durant, LeBron, but Luca really is like the heart, the soul, the engine, the train, or the train, the tires, the gas. He's everything to that team. And they really need the role players to play. A bigger role you know it's weird to consider Porzingis a role player but that's what he's been doing Tim Hardaway Jr. has to do what he can do so if the Mavericks can just play the way that they've been playing and Luca do what he does best I'd like them the rest of the series this Speaking is why I don't best, though I mean uh oh, if you guys have you if you, I'm not sure if you guys are seeing the series that are uh, carrying on tonight right now but uh uh, the, this Blazers Nuggets game is down to the wire late, um, but game five, Suns Lakers, Suns are up uh, fifty to twenty eight right now in the second quarter. I'm glad you brought that up. The Suns went on a twenty four to one run, and then LeBron got blocked by DeAndre Ayton twice and had to get helped up by two teammates. So it's just you know quintessential LeBron James right there for you. And mm-hmm. like we were saying on Sunday night. Without Anthony Davis and this 75% LeBron James, it's just a never-ending uphill battle. And it, it's showing with five minutes left in the second quarter that it's very hard for a LeBron James that we've never seen before to be a very, very talented Phoenix Suns team. Hmm. Well, I'm loving this youth movement we're seeing right now, like across the whole NBA playoffs. 
I mean, so many of these good teams coming up right now are all led by these young, incredible, talented superstars. And um, I mean, the Suns, they've got, you know, Booker and Co. But, uh, you know, admittedly, this, you know, the Chris Paul effect is real in Phoenix. But uh, looking at the rest of the NBA as we're seeing it right now, there's so much talent under, under 28 years old. It's just dominating in these playoffs. I mean, upsetting all these old heads that have been gen- generally figured to be favorites. And, um, you know, outside of, you know, a couple series, you know, like, the, I mean, in the Buck series, you know, Giannis and Co. dominated. But uh, in, the, in that Celtics series, you know, we've got a, good young, a couple of good young guys coming up there. And they played incredibly well against that uh, veteran Nets team. And honestly, if they didn't have all the star, all, all three of the stars that they have, you know, it would have been a much different series. But uh, there's so much good young talent coming up. You know, I, uh, I, I just, I, I got to mention just how phenomenal this this new wave of NBA players is going to be. The leagues are going to look completely different in three years' time. Going back to that map to the Mavericks Clippers series. Um... I do, under, I do understand <clears throat> that, um, I said it before, Stephen, uh, the NBA is like Mario Party, Party, you need stars to win. I understand that Luca is the brightest young star the league has seen uh, since name the player. Um, but if you, look at it, if you look at what Dallas is off the floor with him, it's, they're not even a playoff team, really. I love Jalen Brunson. He's a very underrated player and one of my X factors in this playoffs. But, I mean, without Luka, this team literally pl- plummets 33 <clears throat> points in the offensive rating. He's played 80% of their minutes. And I know this is a small sample size, but if you look at Kawhi and Paul George, I mean, that impact isn't, isn't that large. Um, this, I mean, I mean this, <clears throat> this... Mavericks team is centered around Luca. It has some really good pieces, but you still need more. Porzingis isn't Por, if Porzingis is your second best player right now, I don't think you're going to make it out of the first round. Well, you kind of answered your own question or your own point when you said he plays 80% of the minutes and that's probably only going to go up once he's more healthy. So that's something I'm not really concerned about. Yeah, he's great, and I and I'm thinking I'm sure I mean, but he's he's been carrying them for two games. Yes, I just don't think I just don't think that's like what is he off the floor? What is it this Dallas team off the floor? Mm. I think I think the most telling part of a team is take the best player off the floor. That's why the Jazz are so good. You can take if you take Donovan off the floor, take Rudy off the floor. This team is still really good. You take you take LeBron off the Lakers, and obviously they see they're struggling. You take Luca off the Mavericks, this team is not even a playoff team. He is great. I don't, and if he can carry this Mavericks team, I would be surprised. And I, I would love, to, I would love for him to prove me wrong. I would, but just as an overall team, I understand that Luca is the brightest young star since LeBron, MJ, name it. But this team isn't as talented or as good as that as the Clippers team this overall supporting cast I do think the biggest thing with the Clippers though even though it's not a stat if you will they just don't know what to do it seems at times without more so Kawhi because when Paul George is there he kind of has a pretty concrete role 
but without Kawhi, it like they just seem kind of stagnant on offense. It just kind of seems like they don't really know where to go with the ball a lot of the time. And then when he's there, he's obviously a, a you know pretty commanding presence on the floor for them. But without Kawhi, it just seems they're just kind of stuck in place. And then even sometimes with Paul George, you, you kind of feel like they force the ball to him just so he gets his shots and he gets happy. So with them, it's like, yeah, it's great that we have both of them out there, but is it kind of hurting us? It, you know what I mean? Like they have decent shooters on their team, and it just seems like sometimes the two of them feel like they need to shoulder the load when they don't really need to, when they need to share the ball a little more. Yeah, and I think the biggest question for the Clippers, um, this is I talked with a good friend of mine um, about this after that playoff series, is that, you know, Kawhi and Paul George, they play like alphas, but, you know, they don't, they, they don't, they're not a vocal leader. And there's, you can see it in their game, but they'll never say anything to show their urgency. I think that's another big reason why they traded for Rondo is because Rondo has vocally been there. Um, and you look back at that, that Raptors, Raptors team with Kawhi, I mean, everyone on that team was just adamant in doing everything they can to win, like, actions-wise. Kawhi was almost shy to a fault um, in, in this, um, this Clippers team. I think, that's a, I think that was a big reason. I think that's the biggest reason why this Clippers team really beat itself. Um, I feel like the only people that can really beat this Clippers team is themselves. Ethan can probably speak to it a little better, but look at what Philadelphia did. It took them a little while to realize it, but they knew Joel Embiid was their best player overall. They knew that Ben Simmons is one of the top five players on defense. They needed more shooters and they needed guys that knew that once they get the ball, like they have to score. Joel Embiid can do a lot, but he can't do everything just because that's how the NBA is played. Like your point to Luka Doncic, it's, Philadelphia filled out their roster perfectly like old LeBron teams getting people that LeBron can enhance their talents and their skill sets so for a team like Philadelphia I think that's like a perfect example of what it seems like you want Dallas to become yeah, yeah. and you can I don't know if I'd make this argument but you could make the argument that last year's team was better in terms of talent on paper. I mean, I'd say Al Horford's better than Danny Green, but that was something that simply never worked. I mean, he he's a stretch five, but they wanted him to play a stretch four, and he's just not that. He's he's not a modern stretch four, and it really clogged up the paint because he's kind of a high post guy, and that's really where Embiid also needs to operate in terms of the low post as well. So a lot of it comes down to, and this is why, you know, everyone says is starting to say that systems are kind of disappearing but that's a prime example where it simply just didn't work i mean i think horford and richardson combined for maybe 34 percent from three and curry and green are lighting it up i don't know the exact number off my head it might it's probably above 40 percent, maybe above 43 percent. but you know that's a perfect example of how teams need to be built in terms of surrounding with your best players and while the i'd say the clippers have done that I think that more just comes down to just a culture issue and, you know, all the stuff with Doc Rivers and in, in terms of prior, prioritizing his stars and giving them games off, you know, really set the tone, even, you know, when they try to trade guys like, you know, Lou Williams and 
Harold left probably for that exact reason. It simply just didn't work. I, I really don't think Kawhi stays after this. And I, you know, I've already mentioned it, but I don't think they win this series. I think that's incredibly even-handed. Um, yeah, the fact is that this team's just not designed to win around the guys they have. Um, uh, at least not in the way that it was previously. And uh, that's sort of how you need to run your team in the modern NBA in order to make it deep in the playoffs. And you need those guys to be healthy when they get there. This is a totally random thought, but I just realized that the Warriors have a Curry and Green and the 76ers. Like that never that never dawned on me. I thought you were talking about and Steph and Draymond. I was like, oh, that's weird. Like Draymond's not that good a three-point shooter. And then I was like, oh, Danny Green and like Seth Curry. <laughs> yeah, the other Curry, you know. <laughs> but credit to him, like for a long, long time, Seth Curry was he was the higher rated prospect coming out of college. And then he never really filled out the way you wanted him to. But now, like, he's a real three-point threat and a very respected shooter. So for him to have to just, like, go through that for his whole career, and then now it's just really clicked, and he plays in a very important role for where he is now. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, That's and you can't really spend his career. Seth Curry is one of those players that thinks he's a little better than he actually is, and it helps him, mm-hmm. um, kind of like Jordan Clarkson. Last year, I really think, was his coming out party um, with, the, uh, with the Mavericks. I think he really established himself as that, that fourth guy or third guy. I, I forget how Przingis played that series. But when I saw, him, when I saw that roster, with, when I saw him go to Philly, I thought, okay, if they go to the playoff, this can be, re- this can be really good for Philly. Um, and now with them beat out, they're going to be asking for, for I don't know how long. Um, they're going to be asking a little more of him. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he has any of that, any of that um, affected, uh, efficiency from the bubble. And the bottom line is that he fits with the team. I mean, he, he fits perfectly to what kind of J.J. Redick was. A little more of a ball handler, which is nice. But, I mean, bottom line, he's, you know, the – a lot, a lot of times the Sixers would run like a dribble handoff like into a screen with the two and the five and literally would just pull up and that was often what J.J. Redick done. It's not as common here, but you'd still see a lot of that connection between Embiid and Curry. And, you know, like I said, the bottom line is just that it fits and it's working and it really doesn't matter how talented the player is objectively, just based on paper, it, it has to fit. I mean, I think, yeah, it just has to fit. I, I think in terms of a dribble handoff, in terms of Redick versus Seth Curry, I think it's a huge upgrade Seth Curry-wise, uh, not only because I think he's in his prime right now, I would say, and, and Redick is you know far from it, but he's also a much better ball handler, much better scorer. Um, and you're right, I think, I think as your fourth guy with a Simmons and an Embiid, um, you're going to need someone who's a great shooter statistically, and he is that. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of great shooting, that's something the New York Knicks haven't done in what seems forever. Game five tomorrow back at the Garden. Marv Albert in his final season back at the Garden. I know what I think deep down in my heart, but does anybody else think that the Knicks have a chance to possibly come back? I'd love to believe in them. Um, I think that they've been one of the the best stories in the league this season. I mean, watching their return to 
not quite greatness, but Return to Goodness um, has been unbelievably fun to watch. And it's like, uh, as much like the, the Miami Heat were last year, that it's fun team with a lot of heart who you're rooting for and you want them to win it all. But quite frankly, they hit the playoffs and they were just not ready yet. Um, they, uh, yeah, they, got the, they got the boost they needed from Madison Square Garden. Um, they got a little bit of a little bit more heart and soul than most of the other teams in these playoffs, but they just don't have the skill to match up. I think maybe this time next year we could be seeing a, a deeper run from them, but they'll need to prove that they're a lot better than they are right now. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, sorry, go on. Going into the season, the Knicks, you could questionably say that they had like one like really good player, and that was Julius Randle. But I mean, without his boom in production there's there's really no Knicks team but the one advantage that they do have assuming they lose this series I feel like every year there's always rumors surrounding certain players that they'll go to the next just based on the market but obviously you look at the roster and how this team is ran and it's just terrible for the past couple of years I feel like I'm I'm confident that's going to change this season just simply based off of their success and that's huge because you're going to see a lot of different players and a lot better players on this team. So next year will be extremely intriguing for the next team. But I mean, right now with guys like Reggie Bull actually like absolute garbage and no real playoff point guard, it's, it's really hard to match up with this Hawks team. Yeah. Before I go on my take, I have to say seeing Matt, hearing Madison square garden erupt like that is one of the most stimulating things I've, I've had, I've felt or heard in a while. Um, and I, I wish, I wish with all my heart that they would finish this series, but I just, I, I don't think so. Um, if you look at the talent difference just between the Knicks and the Hawks, I mean, it's, it's a, it's a big difference. I can think of three, three guys at most that are going to get minutes on that Hawks team. If you put that Knicks team and that Hawks team together, I mean, I'm thinking Randall, I'm thinking, um, Barrett and maybe Rose, but there's just. There's just a big, there's a big gap of talent between the Knicks and the Hawks, and I and I hate to and I hate to see Trey Young move on. I don't know. I'm just not a big Trey Young fan. Um, he makes a great villain, though, doesn't he? No, he doesn't. I like how he I looks like, like a four-year-old who happens to shoot forty footers. There's like nothing. That's good not true. About he looks like a villain. See, it's working. It's working. Look how mad you're getting over. No, it. but okay, it's way, okay. It's that's what it's all way of us different want. though. I didn't like Trey Young for a long time. The way that he plays yeah. basketball is so bad. But you know, just the <laughs> fact that I have to like see him shove down my throat for five games, and then like Mark Jones talking about how awesome he is in Atlanta, like pretty much writing a love letter to this guy while his fingers are covered in like lemon pepper remnants. Like I get it, dude. Yeah, you can have forty footers. Ooh. See, this is what I mean. He makes a great villain. We love to hate this man. It's literally working. Like this is this is what we went went the whole time without saying. Oh man, like I feel my heart beating faster. (laughs) See, he does that though. I mean, you know, he's irritating. You don't like to watch him, and if your team's playing against him, you know that you're going to be frothing on the mouth by the time it's halftime because he irritates you. You know, um, he's there. There's there's a few guys in the league who who incense opposition like that and Trey Young is one of them I mean he does it to the players he does it to the fans 
And um, it's why it's another reason why everyone wants the Knicks to win so badly. I mean, they're a fun story. We've all enjoyed watching them, but you can't help but want to watch Trey Young lose because he's he's a he dick. might cry. <laughs> Oh, are you rooting for that? Me. Would you like that? I mean, it'd be pretty funny, like, you know. Just <laughs> Speaking of villains, he's a villain. Speaking Ray of villains as a, as a jazz fan. Speaking of villains as a jazz fan, Dylan Brooks is getting under my skin. But not too much because I'm a duck. But, <laughs> yeah, but like, it's he, different. The jazz are, like, winning and Dylan Brooks doesn't do that much. Like, Trey, ugh. We just, hey, like, it's hey, just all like I'm PTSD is, of Sunday. Hey, all I'm saying is there's a lot of housewives in Utah right now that are do not like Dylan Brooks. <laughs> but it's like different. It's been like five games of Trey Young, just like, oh, another three. Oh, look at this. Like, he just makes ordinary passes because he's like six feet tall. Everyone's like, wow, that's so incredible. How did he see over him? <laughs> I, I hate to I do this. Oh. Sorry, I, I have to go. I'm sorry, but thank you for having me on. I'm sorry I have to cut this late. And hey, Trey Young is Trey Young sucks. He, he's balding <laughs> at age 20. That says a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's like an unfortunate thing for him. But yeah, Nixon seven. Uh, the shooting's just been so so abysmal. It's mm. hard to think about, and I did I didn't like realize it until today. It's like the way that this roster was constructed is like shocking. They made the playoffs, let alone add home court advantage for, you know, the first round. So yeah. it was, I don't know, runs on over you. I mean, I, I, I was pleasantly surprised by them this season. And I think that they, uh, they have what it takes to compete next year. I've enjoyed rooting for them, but they've got clear holes that need to be filled. But I mean, you're right. They're a big market, um, and now that they're not a garbage franchise that everyone that no one wants to play for, the big market might actually help. I mean, they everyone might sign with the Knicks. I mean, they made Derrick Rose look like a hero again, and I think we'll all thank them for that. Derrick yeah. Rose gonna get a max contract. I'm not even mad about it. <laughs> I would be furious. He deserves every single penny of it. If he's not in a New York Knicks uniform next year, I don't know what I'll do. Okay, he may have like, deserved it based on his career so far, but he's not going to deserve it over the next four years. Five I don't years. know. He's, he's telling everybody he's not the old Derrick Rose. He's the current Derrick Rose, and that yeah. deserves a max contract. I, th- I think he would rather be the old Derrick Rose. I guess it's just like, a, like <laughs> him saying, like, hey, stop comparing me to, like, to that guy. I'm not that no. guy anymore. I got this cool neck tattoo, and like, I can shoot threes now. I don't, <laughs> I don't dunk, but I can do a lot of other things better. Yeah, quite frankly, I, th- I feel like a three is I like the, 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 the huge momentum shift that a dunk used to provide is what a, a deep three does now. Dunks are great, but unless it's a poster, people don't care the same way. A deep three, though, like you hit it from the logo, the whole stadium will be up. Yeah, yeah. that's a really good point. Mm. Well, you know, like a 40 footer constantly. So, yeah, that that's going to wrap up our show today. Kind of a a Jordan flu game for me. I've had a cramp in my left leg since like I finished introducing the podcast. So I've been dealing with that and Trey on God under my skin. So like, you know, kind of my flu game over here. <laughs> well, thank so, you for putting up 40 plus. Yeah. I mean, you know, someone's got to do it. 
So that is all for our show. Instagram handle is wavelengthspod at the SportsWave official SportsWave YouTube channel for full episodes. That's it. Anything else you guys wanted to add? Uh, next Young season, lives in season. your head, friend free. <laughs> full episodes oh, on Spotify, Apple, YouTube. <laughs>